Hey guys, Hide and Seek is now on Patreon. If you'd like to learn how to support the work we do, please visit www.patreon.com backslash Hide and Seek Podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive rewards. Rewards include live events, early access to video trailers, ad-free episodes, never-before-seen videos, behind-the-scenes video and photo content, along with extended and never-before-heard interviews. My team and I would be honored to have you. Again, visit patreon.com backslash hide-and-seek-podcast. Thanks, guys. The views and opinions expressed by guests on the Hide and Seek podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or positions of the host or contributors. Hey everyone, this is Sarah. Would you like to take a more active role in the Hide and Seek community? Would you like to share your thoughts with other listeners? Join us in the Hide and Seek podcast discussion group on Facebook. You can find us by searching Hide and Seek Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. This podcast deals with mature topics that may not be suitable for all listeners. Material heard on the Hide and Seek Podcast is intended for adult listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Sweet dreams are made of this. 24 Hour News aides Brady Gillum went to Sturgis tonight to speak with the missing woman's mother about what may have happened to her daughter. I can tell you where she most likely is. I hadn't seen anybody that I felt comfortable saying anything to until today. The stories they tell are pretty fun. They're pretty freaking gruesome. I kept... All the text messages, Facebook messages, the messages between me and Brittany, I have all of them. I have everything. I told him, I said, I'd kill all them motherfuckers, and I was going to have my people fucking take care of it. I'll just say Brittany's name out of nowhere just to see what somebody says. Because this little town around here would be hard to hide something like that, because eventually everything comes out. Some days I don't believe anything happened to her. I think she's in slow. This is Hide and Seek, Season 3, Part 3. The final chapter. I'm your host, James Basinger. Hey guys, in last week's episode, you heard more about the voicemail messages left for Jessica on the night Brittany disappeared. These messages made their way to Facebook after Ashley took over Jessica's email account and shared these voice messages with other people, including Brittany's uncle. Initially, when I asked Jessica about these voice messages, she thought they were from Leonard, a man that worked for Jessica, with whom she had a strained relationship. In an earlier interview with Ashley, she suggested these messages may have come from a man named Daniel Walters. To avoid further confusion, I want to clarify 
that Daniel Walters is not Cage. After doing further digging, it was revealed that the man who left these messages was a man Jessica was doing some work for, named Bill. I had two calls with Bill. In the first call, Bill tells me the voice messages were left by him out of aggravation that Jessica didn't show up for the job he hired her to do. Following this call, I spoke with Jessica and she seemed surprised. She told me that Bill's story wasn't accurate and explained to me that she felt Bill didn't tell the truth because he was worried about the ramifications of admitting to purchase of narcotics. Jessica urged me to reach back out to Bill and get a more accurate recounting of the night. Right before the airing of last week's episode, I was able to get a hold of Bill. We realized that there was some confusion after hearing this last week, so we hope the recap can clarify some details. In speaking to Bill this time, I get a story that I believe is much closer to the truth. In this follow-up call, Bill told me he hired Jessica to do some painting in his home. Now while Jessica was there to work, she also hooked Bill up with a friend of hers who could supply him with narcotics. Although Bill reports it was just weed, I think we can all agree that was not likely the case. On the evening Brittany disappeared, Bill fronted Jessica money to give to her friend for him to obtain narcotics for Bill. When Jessica didn't come back with the narcotics in a period of time Bill felt was reasonable, he became upset and feared he was being fucked over. So the three voicemail messages you heard are prompted by his impatience. Jessica returns within an hour or so after Bill's last call to her and the deal for the narcotics is wrapped up. Jessica stays at Bill's to complete the painting he hired her to do. During her stay, she receives a call about Brittany. Realizing that something is amiss, Jessica leaves Bill's to find out what's happening. Is this a bit of a messy story? Sure. In this instance though, let's look at the big picture. The question requiring an answer was whether that message came from Daniel Walters or Leonard Ledford and whether or not it had to do with Brittany's disappearance. As a result, we can remove Daniel Walters and Leonard Ledford from the suspect board because this was the only piece of information that could potentially tie them to Brittany's disappearance. Bill can also be removed for various reasons. Bill was 90 minutes away from Sturgis that night at his home where he hired Jessica for work. He doesn't meet the description of the mystery man. The mystery man is described as being mid-twenties. Bill is an older man around 60. In episode 40, we mentioned that one of the things that we look at when we are determining if someone should be added or removed from the suspect board is their relationship to Brittany. Have they met before? Do they run in the same circles? Is there a history of friendship or even a history of being an acquaintance? None of these things apply in this situation. As a side note, if Jessica was somehow involved in Brittany's disappearance with some assistance from Bill, why would she be so adamant that I call him back and do more digging? Wouldn't you just let it be? Putting together a mystery typically involves a combination of gathering clues, analyzing evidence, and solving puzzles. The process usually starts when identifying a problem or a crime that needs to be solved. It also involves collecting any available evidence, such as witness statements, physical evidence, and documents. 
using deductive reasoning skills to analyze the evidence and try to identify potential suspects is arguably the most important part of investigating a crime. Once a suspect or suspects have been identified, continuing to gather more evidence is a must. This is how a case is built against them. Last episode, we heard a demonstration of these steps in a conversation between Ashley and Shasta that seemed to provide more insight into Brittany's gas receipt. During that conversation, Ashley and Shasta gather clues. Shasta analyzes the evidence Ashley provides to determine if the piece of evidence they're looking at did indeed belong to Brittany. Shasta determined the answer was yes. It was Brittany's gas receipt. Ashley goes on to analyze the situation in effort to figure out how the receipt may have ended up in her vehicle. Ashley concluded that only one man, Eric S., could have left the receipt behind. During their discussion, Ashley mentioned finding additional items in the bag of garbage, including a woman's wallet, a bra belonging to a small-chested woman, a student ID, and a credit card. When referring to the credit card, Ashley stated that it belonged to her dad. Since she doesn't apply ownership to this item with a name, does this suggest she was referring to Brittany's father. So, would this imply that the additional items also belong to the same person the receipt belongs to? Avoidance is a strange concept if you really think about it. In my mind, when I think of avoidance, I conjure up a short scene that starts in a dark alley with a man in a brown trench coat tied around his waist. Oh, and a hat. Every man in a trench coat needs a hat. I picture him slipping behind dumpsters, hiding behind stacked crates and tightly parked cars. And while he makes his way down the alley, avoiding being seen. But eventually that dark alley comes to an end and the man in the trench coat is left with no place to hide, no place to avoid the faces passing him on the street. Right now, Skylar is the man in the trench coat to be fair, I don't know that he's avoiding me, but he's no longer taking my calls, so that seems like avoidance. But why go ghost? There could be extenuating circumstances, but if that were the case, I think Sarah or I would have heard about it by now. We're not entirely convinced that we need to speak to him again, and you're probably wondering why we feel that way. While I won't get into specifics, what I will do they say that Sarah and I know that law enforcement didn't ignore this lead. And in fact, we know that they took this lead very seriously. At this point, there hasn't been an arrest. So, what's your takeaway? Why do you think Skyler has chosen to dip into the dark alley? In episode 39, I pressed for answers from JJ. You heard Kim, JJ's girlfriend, and I discussed Brittany's gas receipt and the accusations Ashley's made against him. You and I were talking while you were in jail. We talked a couple times. You didn't get really far. What? You know, he just wants, you know, he just wants to know your side. That's all he wants. There you go. Why? How does he know that? What did he say? No, 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 no. Go back to that. Tell me 
Whether you thought or that you know that they did it. I think they did it. Oh, should I know? Should I know they did it? I answer that question. JJ, you get She's putting I mean, JJ on the... Oh, no, he the... found it in Ashley's truck. Ashley said she found it. No, Ashley told him that... Okay, that's... I don't know about a fucking seat. I'm not talking on this phone. Okay. What the fuck? Is it concept? He doesn't trust the phone. That's why I'd rather do it in person. During that conversation, JJ abruptly interrupts her conversation and shouts, Eric and Ashley did it. There you go. He reels himself in before sharing any more details. He says this is because he doesn't want to share anything over the phone. Come meet me in person. Come on, person. Come on, Got your name on my list, JJ. Honesty may be painful in a lot of ways, but it's a far better choice than the suffocating grip of a secret. When a secret is shared, it's no longer a secret. A shared secret becomes a burden or a weapon. It may be time to de-weaponize the secrets JJ may be holding. Now that I have a formal invitation back to Sturgis from him, it might be time to make a decision about going back. In just a few moments of sitting down together, as I begin to utter the words, so I'm contemplating, Sarah's intuition kicks in, and she quickly interrupts, accurately anticipating my thoughts. Are you considering returning to Sturgis? Okay, so maybe I'm a little predictable. Yeah, we're going back to Sturgis. After a short discussion, we decide on June 2023. Now that the possibility of returning to Sturgis is on the horizon, Sarah and I recognize it as an opportunity to make the most of our time in Michigan. To kickstart our preparations for the trip, our top priority is to arrange a meeting with Detective Otten and Under Sheriff Bingaman. There's an abundance of crucial information we wish to convey, and we firmly believe that it deserves the personal touch of an in-person presentation. After all, complex matters often become clearer and more comprehensible when discussed face-to-face. -face. Shortly after my conversation with Skylar, I made contact with the owner of one of the properties Skylar claims Brittany was taken to. I was granted full access to the property, so I add this to the agenda. And as for Skylar, if he won't pick up the phone, I'm happy to meet him in person. I'm happy to meet CND in person too. The agenda for the next trip is for filling up quickly. Hell, the more the merrier. Right? Ashley is the first to reveal that Eric S. discovered the back of Brittany's phone. El elderly guy gets his landline. Or Bert has a two minute call on his flip phone. Okay. And that's when Chris said, I saw him with my own eyes. I saw him. They were on his. I said, okay. So logically then, 
They're both on their cell phones trying to call 911. They're not connecting. He goes in and gets his landline. She still has her phone until she doesn't. During one of the searches, the back of her phone was found in the field. Where? To the, towards the right, the crash site that everyone knows to the, to the left. If we turn left, right to the right, Eric found the back of her phone. Her husband. Okay, okay, her okay, okay. I still have the picture that he sent me of him holding it. Because there's a tiny little QR code in it. He said, I just found the back of her phone. See what you can, if you can get anything off the QR code. Do whatever you do. The phone was missing a back piece? Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of phones brought to me to missing back pieces. Weird. They get off the road. The only missing from the car were her wallet and phone. Now, earlier I told Chris her wallet and phone were missing, but Jessica had her phone and her wallet. She goes, no, her wallet was never found. I said, then explain Brittany's credit card in her fucking Google photos. Following this, Jessica shares her account of the incident that day. Okay, so if you're at, if you leave the old man's house and you're going towards Workman, okay, and the road tees off, it goes to the left and then it goes to the right, right there in front on the tee, right in that cornfield right there, that's where he found something. I know he did because I remember, I just remember he was just like off on his own, he wouldn't come with us, you know, he wanted to do his own little thing. And I thought he was acting weird, and I kept watching him. And then all of a sudden, he picked up something out of that cornfield right there. And then he just kind of bolted. Like, he just, he didn't, like, associate with us out there. Yeah, I always found that weird. Like, why didn't he search with you guys? Like, why was he so adamant about searching on his own? Another time he did that, too. The other time when we went out searching, he, he, him, him and JJ went off. Where was that at? Okay, so down the road from that man's house that we went to when you were here last time. Mm-hmm. So down the road towards Fawn River, on the right-hand side, there's a bunch of pine trees. And JJ and, and Eric went out there, too, and was looking pretty heavily. But I backtracked them. Brenda and I did after they after they left. After they left, we went back there and, like, really looked around, you know, a lot so that more thoroughly because I just felt like I thought it was really weird that they were just out there by themselves like why wouldn't you come with us you know like what the fuck so this is the December 23rd search one of them I've always assumed that the search that you guys went on was on December 23rd because that's when him and JJ get pulled over and that's when JJ's like that's the first time I met dude or uh, I met Ashley so I've always assumed it was December 23rd when you guys did a search yeah because they were going to out twice and I don't remember when the, the first one was like, you know, on the, I don't know, the, right after, right after we found out she was missing, like we went out there. But there was just like, Chris and I and Brenda had went out there. The next day we went out again and Eric came out there. And that's when the phone was found, that back of the phone. And then we went down the river, somewhere, somewhere in between there too, we went down the river. And it was December still, in the kayaks. And Eric didn't go on that one. The search where Eric finds the back of the phone, if I'm walking 
from John's house towards Fawn River Road. I would take a right, and now I would be heading towards Workman. <laughs> when I get to Workman, I can take a left, or I can take a right. We're going to take a left. You're for the phone? Yep. No, straight there, right in that field, right there, straight. Right there. Mm-hmm. Why would he... Okay, so that's where he said he found it, or... No, that's where I remember him picking something up, like him out there, like, rummaging in the ground right there. And we were down the road a little bit. So we were to the right, down the road, probably, I don't know, 20 feet or so from him, and looking around down there. And then and I remember Eric, like Eric was rummaging around in the ground right there. And then he just bolted. He like just jetted, he jetted and didn't say shit to us. He bolted? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you mean? He just left. Like, he wasn't trying to he didn't say shit to us. Did he take the Nothing. back of the phone? Wait, I didn't even know what he found, but I, I guarantee that's when it, when it when it when it was. Where's the back of the phone today? Don't know. I'll talk to you. So okay, I'm confused. He finds this to back of the piece, and then does he allow you to come see it? Mm -mm. He just takes off. He just takes off. It was weird. It was, he was weird the whole time. Where did he go? Don't know. He just took off running. I have no clue. He just, just, he just left. He just left. He didn't. He was not sociable with us either time. He didn't talk to us. Nothing. Do you watch him leave? I mean, I guess I feel like with with it being like boom, there's this back of this phone. I feel like it would have been a big deal, like for everybody who was there searching. No, like I'm just thinking, saying like he. It, it was not everybody. It was only a few of us out there. So it was just like Brenda and I, Chris, Chris, and all of a sudden, like, and I just remember Eric picking up, like, he keeps saying in the, you know, the back of this phone was found. The only time he could have found that phone, the back of that phone that I remember is right then and there because he, how weird he acted afterwards, you know, like he was, he was right there in the, in, like, digging around in the ground, like, messing around with the ground. And the next thing I look up, he's just like, Eric's just like gone. And I, I was like, we were all talking. We all had talked about how, how bizarre Eric was that was acting that night, that day, and the next time that he went out to him and JJ both. And he just jetted. He just he didn't even say nothing to nobody. He just left. I don't even know. I don't, I didn't even see him leave. Leave. And JJ mentioned also him finding uh, a back of a phone, but he was with Eric when Eric found it. But JJ mem remembers being present for that as well. Let me ask you this other question. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen? Did he leave? No, he's still here. Has he ever seen Britney's phone? Have you ever seen Britney's phone? No. Okay. He's just asking questions. He doesn't think. I guess Eric found a back of a phone like 60 yards from the wreck. For, it was past what the the long driveway house? The short driveway house? The big two story house with all the pine trees. I remember JJ being that, there that first time, but the second time JJ was with us. Additionally, 
Eric captured an image of the backplate, which he promptly sent to Ashley with the message, do whatever you do. This image contains a description of the backplate of the phone, including a QR code that matches the one on Brittany's J337P model. With these significant revelations, it begs the question of what actions were taken as a result. Did Eric or Ashley contact law enforcement authorities or share this information with them? While we're on the subject of Brittany's phone, we think it's important to mention that on November 16th, 2018, Brittany added Eric to her Boost mobile plan. This means it's possible he had access to the account. On October 20th, Brittany writes, um, she's apologizing for not answering Zach's call the previous day. She said, Eric and I swapped because we needed a working phone and a way to contact his mom while he was gone, so I let him use mine. Apparently, Eric's phone was down. The, um, do, they, do you know if they shared phones very often back then, Eric and I was going to say, that swapping phone, that's true, but not... I don't think it was the reason that was true because I, she was over at my house when they swapped swim, sims and Eric had actually given me when she first went missing I said do you have any of her old phones and he said just the one that she gave me and I had that phone for a while and that was the the one that she had right before she told me to switch my number to change my number and it was in the middle of a conversation she's like Daniel has some kind of stalker thing on my phone he gets every text I send or receive he knows all my calls like just change your number right now just trust me so I logged on to AT&T and changed in the middle of our conversation and she had come over and she swapped out sins with him so that way if Daniel wanted to keep stalking it it would go to Eric instead of her and then Eric would have dealt with it if he did he had the ability to see all her phone activity numbers called numbers texted and how often Brittany corresponded with those numbers via call or text. In all the chaos that has surrounded this case, there's been one person who's remained consistent. He's shown up when we've asked, he's answered his phone when called, and he's answered every question we've ever asked to the best of his ability. And we believe he's one of the few people who truly loved Brittany and would have done anything for her. Over the past two and a half years, our communication has increased and I have come to rely on his consistency. What's up, bud? <laughs> My gosh. Yeah, I'm back in the weld shop, man, getting filthy. It's Sheldon. Jeez, buddy, you got that's quite the beard, man. Yeah, man. Jeez. Trying to suck it back out. I gotta go get it trimmed up. During one of our many late nights, we decided to make an effort to figure out why Brittany's profile still appears in Facebook Messenger. To clarify, you can have Facebook Messenger and not have a Facebook profile. If her Facebook Messenger was deleted, there would be no picture, and the name and messenger would say, Facebook user. Did someone delete her Facebook profile and keep Messenger? So I reached out to Sheldon, hoping he could be of some help. April 18th, 2023. I write, Hey bub, I got a question for you. Britt's Facebook account, BB God's Plan, is gone, but her Messenger appears to still be active. We're confident that the account is still active in Messenger, but we want to test it by sending Brittany a message from Messenger. But we're only able to do that by sending it from someone who's had a conversation with her in the past. 
That's you. Is it okay to send her a thumbs up? Sheldon writes. Yeah, go for it. I hit send. I inform Sheldon. It's gone. But now we know, and that helps. I think that Facebook may still have it because of preservation request. Fingers crossed that they do. Preservation request is something law enforcement does when trying to preserve a Facebook profile. No way. Who had that one? Ashley? Or was it the Keltner one? Or did she have both? Ashley had access to both. The Keltner one is the one that said the thumb got delivered on the 3rd of December too, huh? Do you think she had access all the way back then? Yeah, she did. But when she read it is most important. I took that screenshot a long time ago. Don't know if you already had a pic of it. Just thought I'd send it in case you didn't. Sheldon sends me a screenshot. The infamous thumbs up stamp Sheldon would randomly send Brittany. Sent December 1st, 2018 at 2.27 p.m. Within seconds, someone opens Brittany's message. We have to assume that it wasn't Brittany. Get back in touch with you about that text message we were talking about. You had sent it to me. It was coming from the Brittany Keltner account. It was a screenshot of the message you had sent her back on December 1st at 2.27 p.m. And you send a thumbs up. It shows underneath that screenshot that it was seen on December 1st, 2018 at 2.27 p.m. Yep. Do you remember how you got that picture? Um, I just clicked on the message and uh, the message that I had sent uh-huh. and it popped up a status underneath it. Do you recall at the time on December 1st when you sent this, like seeing that she had actually opened the message? No, no, I, I didn't even think that it was delivered then. No, I don't think that it showed delivered after I had sent it. Do you feel like you recall going back to check? Because obviously you would have at that time seen. Yeah, I, I feel like I would have. You know, that's why it was, it felt weird to me when I did screenshot it that it said that it was uh, seen all the way back on the 6th because I feel like I had been checking it for months and I don't really, I mean, I think that would have been a pretty, that's something that I would have remembered that it was seen you know, that close to the date. Was this screenshot taken, the one that you'd sent me, how long ago was it taken? I feel like it was taken right when I sent it to you, like not too long beforehand. Would you be able to actually, do you still have access to the account to be able to go like take another one and send it? Uh, Yeah, you probably could. I won't be able to do it while we're on the phone though. Yeah, yeah. uh, you're good. I'd have to sign out of this account to go to the other one. Yeah. Uh, December 23rd, actually, is when I took the screenshot. Okay. 2022. I feel like if it got delivered at that point in time, I probably would have started blowing up that Facebook, though. I mean, I don't really see how I could have not noticed that it was delivered. I mean, that was the whole point. Or not delivered, but uh, opened. So, I mean, I don't see how. Let me ask you that question. 
If you see that message, what what are your next action? What's your next move? I probably at that point in time, I would have just blown it up like, "Hey, where the heck you at? What the heck did you ditch my car?" Yeah. Yeah, I would have just started blowing up that Facebook. I probably as soon as I seen that it was opened, I would have hit. I would have called by that second. Yeah, if I seen that it was seen, I right then and there I would have started blowing it up, trying to call it and whatnot. If I would have seen that it was seen. Now, I figured that would have naturally sparked you to focus your attentions and interests to this one. So knowing that. This show, or seeing that this show's seen on December first, twenty eighteen, like why didn't you be like, "Yo, I see that you saw this. Where the fuck's my car at? Like, what the fuck happened?" Type of thing. I definitely would have been hitting up that Facebook for sure. That I don't it know why was. I would say that date if if it wasn't that date. I mean, I guess I'll ask the other obvious question: Is you didn't fabricate anything on it, right? No. But you feel like, yo, if I would have seen it, I would have. Yeah, I would. If I would have seen that, it got. There's no way that I wouldn't have seen that it got seen, because I was checking that I for like months afterwards. I was checking all the Facebooks that I sent messages to to see if they were seen or not or delivered. And that one, I didn't. I don't think I sent another message to that one for a couple months later or quite a while later. But yeah, I, I know for a fact I was checking them all every single one that I. I actually have some pictures. I was actually going to send you. Um, drop these in your folder. One sec. There you go. But the other ones when she's. Alright. Uh, orange tank. One of her in these sports bra tank top. Yeah, that's my house. And uh, yep, that's my place too. Do you remember her getting like dressed up extra you know what i'm saying like you know makeup on you're doing your thing you know what i'm saying like do you remember her leaving like that no she was in like regular basic clothes like she wasn't all did up too fancy like just like her normal look she never really did a whole lot when she did get ready and whatnot she had a natural beauty thing going didn't really have to get herself done up let me show you one of the last pictures she uh, actually took. Think of this is in your car, I, I think. So give me one second. Yeah, that's the last picture she took. That was the last picture she took? Yeah. And I could be wrong, but that to me looks like her getting ready. Lipstick's yeah, on. Yeah, she's definitely, yeah. Got makeup on, lipstick. I don't remember leaving the house like that. So in your opinion, that doesn't look like what you were picturing when you said she didn't leave. When I said dolled up, kind of like makeup on and whatnot. Yeah, no, she didn't leave like that. So that timestamp of that phone or that picture says it's Friday, November 30th, 2018 at 3.36 p.m., I believe. Taken with her Samsung SMJ337. Does that look like your car? Yeah, that's my car. Yeah. That pack of cigarettes. That pack. That's, that's her pack of cigarettes. That's yeah. hers. Yeah. Last time you sent me this picture, I went back and I looked through to see what my seats look like. You don't remember Brittany leaving like that? No. No. 
Before we address that surprising discovery, I want to clarify that up until this point in our investigation, all of our work regarding Facebook, we want the distinction to be as clear as class. That what we're about to discuss is in relation to the Brittany Keltner account. Having made that clear, is there a logical reason why someone would read Brittany's Facebook message on her Brittany Keltner account less than 24 hours after her last contact with anyone? The only scenario that it makes sense to us is if the person reading Sheldon's message accessed it through Brittany's phone. There is one crucial question. Which phone was it that accessed the message? Was it her Samsung Galaxy J337 that Brittany was using the night she disappeared? Or one of her previous devices, the LG Dynasty SP200, or a Samsung S327? If it turns out to be Brittany's J337, then it's highly likely that the person who accessed that message was involved in her disappearance. However, if it was one of the other two devices, we need to know how this person gained access to Brittany's Facebook account. And if you had no involvement in her disappearance, I'm sure you can provide a completely reasonable explanation. Along with the help of an IT professional, we have extensively analyzed Brittany's Facebook data download and have become familiar with how to determine the type of device used to access the account and the IP address that opened her Facebook message from Sheldon on December 1st at 2.27 p.m. If our investigation leads us back to the Samsung S337, someone is going to need a very compelling reason for being in this account at this time with that phone. On the topic of knowledge and its impact on our lives, it is not the lack of awareness that possesses a significant threat, but rather it is the knowledge we possess but choose to ignore that can have the most debilitating consequences, not only for ourselves, but for those around us and those who are desperate for the answers we hold. In this regard, power lies not in our ignorance, but in our refusal to acknowledge and confront uncomfortable truths. This crucial clarification sheds light on the fact that our journey towards the truth is contingent upon our willingness to do the things that may be uncomfortable, even if only because we know it's the right thing to do. Would you like to show your support for the Hide and Seek podcast? Find our Instagram and Facebook page by searching Hide and Seek Podcast. Like and follow to hear updates on past seasons as they become available and stay up to date on season three. Find our discussion group by searching Hide and Seek Discussion Group on Facebook. The Hide and Seek Podcast is hosted, directed, edited, and produced by James Basinger. Written, edited, and produced by Sarah Joe. Engineered, mixed, and mastered by Nudon's Audio Engineering. Director of Photography is Ethan Schatz. Our graphic design is created by Jordan Robinson. A special thanks to all those involved in our ground team and to our Patreon supporters. Thank you for helping make our investigations possible.